You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. So I'm on vacation this week. You're going to get your new podcast. You're going to get your whole 45 minutes or an hour because we recorded one in advance. But I apologize. If the world is on fire or something crazy happened, I'm not going to be able to rant and rave about it. For instance, uh, like if Ron Paul went on TV again and made a distinction between honest rape and all those other rapes that women are suffering, I'm not going to be able to talk about that. Ron, uh, Ron Paul, of course, said that uh, if it's an honest rape, that individual should go immediately to the emergency room and I would give them a shot of estrogen because that individual honestly raped uh, deserves to have an abortion says Ron Paul. So all of you dishonestly raped people out there or romantically raped or accidentally raped, however you qualified your rape, unless you can qualify it with honest rape, uh, no abortion for you. And don't forget what Rick Santorum said, of course, is that uh, if you do get raped and you do get pregnant under Rick Santorum's uh, tyrannical rule, you are not allowed to get an abortion and you should regard uh, your rape baby as, quote, a gift from God, uh, I love Jen McWright at Blaghag who said she would kind of prefer God to give her the gift of not being raped in the first place. But you don't always get what you want. As the nuns used to tell us in Catholic school, all of our prayers are answered. Sometimes that answer is no. Actually, that's what Christopher Durang said the nuns told us in school, but he got it pretty much right. But we're off snowboarding, me and the kids, uh, me and Terry and DJ. We're up in the Canadian Rockies, uh, ripping it, shredding it. We're up at Banff. We're up at uh, Sunshine. We're up at Pano. As the kids say, uh, tearing through what we hope is some pow. Uh, love snowboarding. Love it so much. So unlike me, musical theater weirdo history guy. Love snowboarding. There's just one thing that snowboarding isn't really good for as the Olympics approach. The Olympics, they're really good for, you know, eye candy. Nobody's wearing very much at the uh, Summer Olympics coming up in London. And it's really the for the fags. It's kind of the downside of the whole snowboarding, skiing scene. There's a gay ski week in Whistler nearby. We've never been. Because what is there to see? Everyone's so bundled up. No eye candy on the hill. Just once, though, once my prayers were answered, I prayed and God said, yes. I was on a lift and there was this boy, uh, man, man. Let me make that perfectly clear. There was a man. And uh, I could just see through his goggles that he had pretty eyes. And he had sort of long brown hair coming out from under his hat. And I thought, wow, dear Jesus, I wish I could see more of him than just his eyes. But it's so sad that here we are snowboarding where all you get to see really is someone's eyes. And then later that same day, I walked into the, the changing room. And that very guy, I recognized the goggles and the hat and the hair. Uh, that very guy was standing there changing, and when I came around the corner, he was only wearing his underwear. That day, God heard my prayer, and he said, yes, yes, you may see the rest of this boy, man, outside of his snowboarding gear. We're hoping for another repeat of the miracle of the panorama changing room while we're on vacation. I will report back next week and let you know if God said yes and showed me the hottest guy on the hill. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 15% off your new account for six months, go to Squarespace.com and use offer code SAVAGE2.
The Savage Lovecast is brought to you by WhereDidYouWearIt.com. It's a mobile website put together by Planned Parenthood, and we love Planned Parenthood. This website maps where people are using condoms. If you're out there having sex and using condoms, let the world know how smart, safe, sexy, and proud you are at WhereDidYouWearIt.com. Hi, Dan. I am a 27-year-old woman uh, living in a foreign country, and uh, probably like many of your listeners, I started listening to this show after I was dumped, <laughs> you know, to kind of get some uh, comfort and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, so that's my problem. I was dumped in October and by a guy that I really, really like, and we kind of started hanging out again in November. The, the, the breakup was over, not over anything that was like a real deal breaker. Basically, um, he had some problems at work. He was getting stressed out. I was kind of being an anus and not giving him enough space, and then things just got weird. So anyway, we met up a couple times in November, and it was going well, and then he started ignoring me. Uh, I figured it was kind of over, and I got depressed, and um, in December, I started seeing another guy kind of casually. I w- and then I went home for the holidays and I, I sent the ex a quick message just telling him, you know, I haven't heard from you in a long time and, you know, I'm going home for the holidays. Maybe we can hang out when you get back. And, um, he replied. And then like the next day, I guess he had found out through mutual friends that I had started seeing somebody new. Uh, I sent him a long email. I told him I liked him, and then he started ignoring me again. And then we, I finally ran into him um, at a bar, and he apologized for not uh, for ignoring me for such a long time. So we're going to meet up on Sunday now, and I don't know how it's going to go. Um, he said he has some things he wants to talk about, and I'm really nervous. Um, I really want to get back together with the guy. I guess my question is, in general, how can you get back with an ex, you know, as long as there wasn't some type of scorched earth, you know, breakup kind of thing? And second of all, if you do succeed in that first part, getting the person back, how do you make it go well? Take dumped for an answer. Take ignored for an answer. You know, he had problems at work. He was stressed out. If... Everyone on earth ended relationships because they were having problems at work or they were stressed out. No one on earth would be in a relationship longer than a few months. We all have stress at work. We all have problems. Um, You know, I I don't want to be really cruel here. I don't want to lay into you or anything. You seem like a nice girl with a good heart. Um, And you were into this guy and he wasn't that into you. And he was engaged in, you know, coded behavior that if you were a little perhaps more experienced or – you know, had a higher emotional IQ, you would be able to read. When someone says, oh, it's not you, it's me, it's you. When someone says, uh, I'm not ready for a relationship right now, what they mean is I'm not interested in being in a relationship with you ever, not just right now. Um, people, you know, they shave the rough edges off those hard truths and they speak in these platitudes and, you know, they trot out these white lies to spare you and it's your job to fill in the blanks and to realize that it's just they're not as interested in you as you are in them. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. You know, why did he come up and talk to you when he ran into you in the bar uh, after having ignored your emails? Because there you were. And he felt like he needed to, you know, apologize maybe for ignoring your emails just to be a decent human being in that moment and not be cruel and not cut you and not ignore you and not pretend he didn't see you. 
Uh, maybe if he'd done that, it finally would have broken through that this wasn't going to happen. Maybe that's what he talked to you about on Sunday. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm 100% wrong. Maybe he's the one person on earth who tells these white lies that everybody else tells, and they're absolutely fucking solid gold truths when he tells them. Maybe he just was so crazy in love with you, but work's a little stressful right now, so I have to break up with you. Maybe he's the one and only person who says that and means it. Uh, I'm thinking that he said it for the same reasons everyone else says it, that he did like you, didn't like you the way you liked him, and was trying to be polite and also communicate that it wasn't in the cards. So you need to accept that this is over. You need to stop pursuing him. You need to date other people. Uh, And you need to, the next time you hear these things from someone, or the next time you're saying them to someone, remember what these things mean. They mean it's over. They mean it's over when someone says it to you. They mean it's over when you say them to someone else. Hey, Dan. How's it going, man? I uh, had a question for you. I have been dating this girl for about six months, seven months. Um, We both really are in love with the relationship. I have a a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. She has a 10-year-old son. We kind of hit it off really well in the very beginning great friends, comfortable, easy to talk to. Everything was going great. You know, she was, you know, she's going to school to get a master's degree. And I just started a new business and we both kind of decided to move, you know, move in together uh, for practical reasons, mainly. You know, the sex was not always that great, though. You know, I was not really a good lover. And as soon as she moved in, I don't know if it's because she moved in or if the sex really started to affect the relationship, but like she was just constantly unhappy with the sex and I couldn't please her and I'd be super quick and uh, it really frustrated her really badly. Like I've never seen a woman get this frustrated about sex actually. And, uh, so anyway, we're living together now and I don't know, uh, you know, she feels that the relationship can't work because because of the sex, I feel differently. I've been trying to do some research and found out that like these things are fixable and um, I don't want to give up the relationship, but she wants to give up the relationship. She wants to try to remain friends while we live together, which is really hard for me right now. I keep kind of like talking about the relationship and trying to save it and fix it. And uh, It seems like she's like unwilling to talk about making a sex work. Meanwhile, like I said, we have two kids and we live together now and uh, it's just really hard. Again, I I don't really want to give up on the relationship. I feel like it's pretty awesome and pretty perfect and I do want to be a better lover. I just don't know how to go about trying to get her to understand that. You can't make her get back together with you if she's done, if she's not interested. Maybe it's the sex. Maybe it's a thousand other reasons and the sex is a convenient excuse I think all you can do in this situation to potentially salvage the relationship is to accept the terms that she's comfortable with right now, which is living together as friends and maybe, you know, co-parenting together, being there while she's going to school. And if you can just take things all the way back to the start, uh, you know, it sounds like you guys moved in with each other a little too soon, which was just going to say it colossally unfair to your kids, uh, to yours and to hers. Uh, in, in that, you know, a new kind of family structure has been created around them. And uh, just as they're perhaps becoming secure in that family structure, uh, it may fly apart. Uh, 
you know, people who are single parents who have children have a right to love, have a right to romance, have a right to seek new partners. But you really do, I think, owe it to your kids to go slowly. You know, oftentimes single parents, there's been divorce, there's been dislocation and trauma for the kids. Uh, You don't want to put them through that again if it can be avoided. So you don't prematurely commit. There are so many relationships that falter uh, in part, I think, because of premature commitment that maybe if you'd taken it slower, if you'd gotten to know each other a little better, if you would each maintained your own living environments and space and a little bit of distance, uh, when you did decide to commit and move in together, maybe it would have been less of a, a rough adjustment, you know. Uh, so what I would encourage you to do is just let it be what it is right now. Like you're not going to have a sexual relationship. Don't have any sexual expectations. No pressure. And live together and see if some sort of new intimacy can bloom, if a second relationship uh, can take root in this. I'm mixing all my floral metaphors. How can it bloom? Um, just let it be what it is because you can't force it to be what it isn't right now. You know, a relationship is a myth. It's a lie. It's a, it's a play that two people put on together. And if one person doesn't want to be in that show anymore, you can't do it alone. Uh, and you can't impose on them and you can't draft them and you can't nail them to the floor. So give her time, give her space, see what happens. Uh, for the sake of your kids, don't, after prematurely rushing in to a new household, don't prematurely rush out. Because who knows, if you give her six months or a year, maybe in that time she'll relax. Maybe in that time uh, you guys will reconnect uh, emotionally. You guys will then maybe perhaps reconnect sexually. Maybe. This show is brought to you by WhereDidYouWearIt.com. Safe sex happens. Now you can find out where it happened by going to WhereDidYouWearIt.com and looking around. It's like Foursquare for people who don't want a sexually transmitted infection. Use your phone or your car computer and check in your safer sex activities. Did you do it in a car, at the beach, in the shower, wherever? Think you're the only one who uses condoms? Probably not. Browse the map and see just how many people in your neighborhood are proud to wear protection. Check it out at WhereDidYouWearIt.com. Hi, I'm calling because I'm a mother of a little person. She's, you know, still young, 17 months old. Um, You know, I know there's a fetish towards little people out there. And as a mother, you start, like, to worry about these things. And I'm wondering if I'm, like, over-worrying and if it would be okay if she were to get into a relationship later on in life with someone who has a fetish for it. It's sort of come up recently because one of my husband's coworkers was watching little person porn and made some comments that made my husband uncomfortable. My husband is in the military, so I was in the barracks. And so my husband, you know, approached the guy privately, told him this made him uncomfortable, that he did have a daughter with, you know, a genetic disorder and that she is, in fact, a little person. And the guy's response to my husband was, I need to meet your daughter because I've always wanted to fuck his words, not mine, a midget. Um, midgets are so fucking hot and I would just want to fuck one. And as parents, it's really scary to like hear this coming out of the mouth of someone who is going to be in your circle because, you know, these people are always going to be around us. And now, you know, I have this fear of individuals like that, you know, crossing the line and it's, is it more valid to have more fear over it because there's a fetish or like I said, am I just being a crazy paranoid parent? 
I was listening to your call at the start and thought, wow, 17 months. It's a little early to start worrying about your daughter's romantic life and who she might meet when she's an adult. And perhaps she will run into someone who fetishizes her because she's a little person. Uh, and then we got to your husband's colleague uh, and the shit that he said, which has really nothing to do with, uh, I think, your daughter being a little person and everything to do with your husband's colleague being an asshole without boundaries and with no respect. And I think that your husband's first course of action is to go to his superior officer and report this conversation. His colleague, I don't know what to call it, you know, co-military member, whatever, his soldier buddy threatened to rape his 17-month-old child. Maybe he was just being obnoxious and rude and didn't mean it. Let's hope. Even so, how is that conducive to good military morale and unit cohesion when one person is threatening to rape the child of another? That is something you take immediately upstairs and report. You, Your daughter will, like an amputee, like you know, a woman who's very hairy, like, you know, all sorts of people who have idiosyncratic physical traits will in her lifetime encounter people uh, who fetishize those traits. I've said a million times on the show that, you know, if you're, you know, whatever it is, whatever your thing is that is fetishized by some, not everyone who fetishizes that trait is seeing you as a fetish object. They can see you as a whole three-dimensional human being. They can love you like any other romantic partner might love you. Uh, and also appreciate this one very specific trait. And in some ways, if you can find that person who you know fetishizes this particular trait that for many people would be a deal breaker or a turnoff and can also you know is not incapable of loving you wholly and spiritually and romantically in every other sense, like any regular relationship, to disqualify that person just because they happen to have that fetish that attracted that person to you in the first place is a little self-defeating. Uh, you know, you need to make distinctions, not between fetishists and non-fetishists, but between, you know, whoever, whatever, human beings who can see you as a human being and human beings who can't, whether they are attracted to you or not. So that's my advice for your daughter in the future, well into the future, 15, 20, 25 years into the future. 15, most likely, years into the future. Right now, though, my advice to you and your husband is to go to this motherfucker's superior officer and report this conversation threatening to rape a, an infant even if he didn't mean it even in jest that can't stand hi this is one of the tech savvy at risk youth and this episode is brought to you by squarespace.com the fast and easy way to create your own high quality website or blog Squarespace has easy-to-use UI for creating and managing a website or blog. It's optimized for both beginners and CSS experts. They recently created a developer-friendly CSS editor, so it works for tech-savvy folks and complete beginners. If you want to build a website or blog, Squarespace makes it really easy. For a free trial, go to squarespace.com. Sign up for a free account. There's no credit card needed. Just try it out and start building your website. Then if you decide to purchase it, use offer code SAVAGE2 and get 15% off for six months. That's squarespace.com and use offer code SAVAGE2. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 23-year-old queer girl. So I was just calling because me and my girlfriend of about a year and a half have been having some 
issues lately, and I think they're in part due to the fact that she pays for way more than I do. Um, she's really wealthy, and I'm not at all. I work with kids, so I get paid shit. And um, so she has, I think, relied on showing her love in ways of giving me big trips and presents and taking me out to dinner and um, falling back on that instead of showing her love in simple ways like um, being kind of nice to me every day. So we talked about it, and I was just wondering kind of how you, I know from your books that you and Terry deal with these issues of, I mean, I guess lots of relationships deal with these issues of one person paying for more the other. Um, and I was just wondering how you deal with that power dynamic and how people don't fall back on that and not forget to show other ways of love. If your girlfriend's not nice, why are you with her? At a certain point, she's going to conclude that you are with her for the trips, that you are with her for the gifts, you are with her for the meals, you are with her because she can provide you with a lifestyle and trinkets and rewards that you wouldn't have access to without her. So she, you know, and she may have run her whole life like this if she's very wealthy. Some wealthy people do, not all wealthy people. Uh, They don't have relationships with folks that aren't kind of poisoned by their money. It can make them feel terribly insecure, but it also, for some, becomes a way of controlling people. She doesn't have to be nice because she knows you want what she can give you uh, that isn't about interpersonal skills or relationships or treating you decently or even being terribly kind. She gives you things, so you stick around, and you then become another thing that she owns, that it's not the meals and trips that are ultimately being purchased when the relationship goes in this direction it's you it's the girlfriend um so I, I don't know what she's thinking i don't know what she's doing if you want if you like her enough to hang out in there and press her to to treat you better go for it but if she treats you badly if she's not supportive if you know emotionally the relationship isn't there if she's a bitch don't date her break up with her end it no you know you've only been together 1.5 years a year and a half or so you're only 23 the question you need to ask yourself is if she treats me like this all my life for 50 or 60 years will this will the things have been worth it and no you would rather be working class you'd rather be poor you'd rather be middle class and with somebody who loves and supports you and appreciates you and treats you well and treats you kindly than just another thing uh, that this wealthy woman feels that she purchased and has a right to use and abuse and dispose of when she's done. Hey, I'm a 22-year-old gay now. Um, About a month ago, I had sex with a guy. I was receiving partner. Garlings were used, but at one point, he felt a break, and he, um, as far as I know, pulled out immediately. He seemed to be alarmed by having pulled out and put another one on, and we continued. That was about it. I don't know what his um, HIV status was, and I was just wondering what my chances would be for infection after that. Like I said, I don't know what his are. Um, the day after I went and got tested, and I was negative as then. Broken condom, if he hadn't ejaculated, the risk is low. Uh, there's not HIV in pre-ejaculate, uh, unless you know his dick was bleeding like the torn frenulum last week. 
you know, your risks of HIV infection are very low. If there were other problems, gonorrhea or syphilis, the risks of acquiring those are, are higher. And you're only at risk if he has gonorrhea, if he has syphilis, if he has HIV. And if he has HIV and he's on the drug cocktail and his viral load is undetectable, um, that makes him almost non-infectious. You know, forcing myself to say those words is very difficult uh, because it just seems so counterintuitive. And also, I don't want to encourage people who are not uh, who, whose viral loads are undetectable to regard themselves or people to, you know, to think that they don't have to worry about condoms anymore so long as somebody's taking the meds because you do have to worry about condoms. Um, so, you know, all those things taken into account, I, I think your risk is low. And, you know, he did the right thing. He pulled out when the condom broke, put a new condom on, dived back in. Um, you also, I think, when you went in to get tested, should have spoken to your doctor about what's called post-exposure prophylaxis, which is basically going on for three to four weeks, a course of antiretroviral drugs, uh, basically the AIDS meds, the cocktail. And if you had been exposed, uh, going on PEP, it's called post-exposure prophylactics, can uh, head the infection off at the pass. It can prevent the HIV infection from basically a, taking root in your body. It can prevent a successful infection, even if you had been successfully exposed. So the next time this happens, uh, hopefully it won't ever happen again, don't just go in to get tested. Go in and speak to your doctor about PEP, post-exposure prophylaxis, and whether you should jump on it for four weeks. The thing about PEP, however, is it's effective, uh, more effective the, the sooner you start PEP after the exposure. Um, so within hours, ideally, uh, within 24 hours, ideally, um, after 72 hours, PEP is pretty ineffective. So if you're exposed on Friday night, you really can't wait till Monday morning to make an appointment to see your doctor a week from Wednesday. You've got to rush right in to your doctor immediately. Hi, Dan. This is a 24-year-old from uh, you know the Northwest. My girlfriend and I have been dating for a little while. And uh, this has been an ongoing problem since we started dating. Uh, I am attracted to her and everything about her. She's really nice. Everything's great. Uh, couldn't be a better girlfriend, in all honesty. But there's just like this sexual chemistry is sort of a little weird because, like, unlike my other ex-girlfriends who, when it came to sex, I was like an animal. I like loved fucking them, you know. But with her, I feel like it's like. I can't imagine myself treating her that way or I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I don't know just the way she is and how much I like her or whatever it is about her. I just can't imagine, um, you know, treating her like a piece of meat, you know? <laughs> and so it becomes really hard for me. And, and what I've done in the past is like, I drank, got really drunk and uh, after that, she says it's like the best sex ever when I'm wasted, but I don't remember it the next day. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm glad you liked it. You know, uh, thank you. Uh, you know, I feel good about myself, but it's like, dude, I shouldn't have to be drunk to really like this or get into this like that. I'm really curious about these other girls that you fucked. Like, what's the difference between them and the current girl that you're fucking? The, you know, all these, uh, every other woman you ever slept with, you didn't give a shit about, you didn't like very much, where you hate fucking all these women, where you're only picking up girls that you could, you held in contempt and therefore you felt you could treat them any way you liked sexually. What was the diff between 
everybody before her and her. What's the difference? Um, I, it's not that. I think what it was is um, with all the other girls I've been with, I've had I felt like I've had more freedom. I kind of felt like everybody involved, like I've been with, um, has been sort of more in tune with themselves so they kind of know what they're doing and they know what they want and um you know if i do my thing i can go i can give it to them rough and i know that some of them liked it rough and it was like okay well, well you know we wait wait, wait. you know your current girlfriend likes it rough so why can't you give it to her rough it just feels weird to me i don't know it doesn't seem right is she the first girl you've ever been in love with no, well, we're not in love with each other, but I definitely care about her a lot. I do. I love her as a person, but we're not to that point yet in our relationship. But you I may would, be heading there. It, it could very well be, yes. Are you dating exclusively? Yes, we are. Are you living together? No. How long has this been going on? Uh, we've been dating a little over a year. And in that entire time, you've never once been able to feel as free with her sexually as you felt with girls that you didn't have the same feelings for? No, it, it, I haven't. And on top of that, it's like also with, with the girl I'm dating now, uh, more so than with other girls, like I think like, gosh, you know, like I wish I could be with those other people so I could like more than just like, you know, your standard fantasy or whatever it is. But it's like this time I'm always like, man, I wish I could talk to her again because, you know, that was a good time. But now I'm, like, kind of feeling like it's just not the same, and I don't know what it is. Something about her, she's very quiet. She doesn't um, seem to be enjoying it, that does, if that makes any sense. It doesn't seem well, it doesn't to sound like wait, wait, wait. It doesn't sound like you're enjoying it either unless you're shit-faced and so drunk that you can't remember after, which is dangerous because if you're that shit-faced – you may do things during that you shouldn't do, didn't intend to do, like wouldn't normally do. You don't want to be blackout drunk and fucking anybody. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, the thing is... Because you, you like, could very quickly go about... to a non-consensual place uh, and then not be able to, you know, adjust in the moment. Like sometimes during sex with new partners, even people we've been with for a year, you know, you propose something, you move in a certain way, you're taking it a certain way, and they're like, whoa, whoa, no, that's like not for me. Or they, they gently like you know maneuver you into a different push you off in a different direction and you go oh you take that feedback and go you may miss those subtle cues if you're blackout fucking drunk that's that she may be sending about this direction isn't working me let's move in this direction and then you can just power ahead and end up in a situation where she feels really violated which is a double risk if she's as quiet as you say she is so no more getting shit-faced so that you can have the kind of uninhibited sex that you enjoy you have to find a way to get there with her sober or with one drink in you, not shit face blackout number yeah. of drinks in you. And you're doing you're doing that straight guy thing where I, I think what you're doing is like I fuck women I don't care about one way and I feel very free and uninhibited because who gives a shit if she doesn't like it? Who gives a shit if she never wants to see me again? Hopefully you give a shit that she likes it. Hopefully you're not doing anything you know, not so selfish that your partner's pleasure, even with those women, is irrelevant to you. But but the stakes are low, you know, because if this is, I'm going to fuck you the way I like to fuck, and if you don't like it, we don't have to fuck again. And if you don't like it, we, we can stop, and I'll go, and who gives a shit? But with this girl, it, it, it matters, right? Because you does. have feelings yeah. for her. And, and the paradox is the sex is lousy, and that's threatening the relationship. So you know, you're, you're making this sort of like weird bullshit distinction – you know, your, your brain's working against your relationship. You, you're not having uninhibited sex the way you enjoy it. 
uh, like you do with these women that you don't care if they stay in your life or not with this woman who you want to keep in your life. And that is actually going to ruin the relationship. If you're sexually unfulfilled, if she's sexually unfulfilled, that relationship's going to end. You need to have sex with her like you have sex with those other women. You need to have the sex you enjoy with her that she also enjoys. You need to give yourself that permission. She's clearly not made out of sugar. She's not going to shatter. She's not spun glass. Right? Yeah, I think that um, it's just hard for me to read what is allowable and what isn't allowable because it's like, I I, I don't know, sometimes I feel like, uh, oh, if I do it to her this way, she's not going to be into it because she she might think it's weird. Or like, what if she doesn't like, because she doesn't seem to really like um, certain positions, feel uncomfortable to her. Have you talked to her about any of this? Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit, and I... No, I no, no, said, no. You know, Have you talked about it commiserate to the, the the size of the problem? Has has the amount of conversation been proportionate to how big this problem actually is, potentially, for the survival of this relationship? Not talked about it a little around the edges. You don't want to present it like, oh, my God, it's cancer, we have leukemia, but, like, there's a sexual disconnect here. Let's unpack it. Let's work towards fixing this so that, you know, you like it this way, I like it this way. When we're drunk, it works. When we're not drunk... We're both a little shy and inhibited. How do we break through that? And then have a really, uh, like, no-holds-barred conversation about what she likes. And if she's – you say she's quiet. She's silent? Well, yeah, she can. She doesn't – yeah. She hardly even breathes loud. You're, she's not giving you a lot of feedback. She's not giving you the normal cues – or, you know, not normal, cues you're used to, cues other women gave you. She's not giving off. Exactly, yeah. It's which, hard for me to read. Right, which means she's going to have to use her words. And you're going to have to ask her to use her words. The thing is, is uh, in the past when, when we have talked about it, th- there's a little bit of a disconnect, which I think happens. is like she says, well, you've, you've finished, so obviously you're satisfied, right? I'm like, uh, <laughs> yes, but not exact. I don't know how to explain it to her, and I'm like, yeah, but there's ways that I could get there where I could totally feel like that was awesome. You know what I mean? And, like, she's like, it is awesome. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what to So what's to not say. happening? Explain it to me. What's not happening? What, what's, what's you know, these orgasms are all right, but it's not awesome. What's, what's, what's in between what you're doing and what's awesome? What's missing? I just feel like there's, it's, it's too bland. I don't, it just doesn't seem like uh, what does a that mean? I, I want specifics. So you can't have a conversation with her that's going to solve this problem if you can't get specific. Not it's bland, well, like, it's beige, you know, it's, it's just, a flower. Like what is it? What is it that's not happening specifically? Very. She's very. Uh, you know. She's. Um, she likes to do the missionary a lot, uh, and then if there's anything else other than that, it's it's. Uh, oh, and and she only just. She only just started to do oral with me like just very recently after i asked her like would you consider doing that and uh she's like i don't know i kind of feel weird and then she got into it eventually but then like only for a little bit i don't know if she liked it or not i asked her she did she said yes but how old I don't is know. she, she she's 20 how old are you i'm 24 okay well you may be her f- first big time boyfriend first grown up yeah. no holds barred uh, let's really do this the way we want to do it, the way that turns us both on. Sex kind of learning curve boyfriend. That's you. You're going to draw her out. like a teacher in a lot of ways. Well, and that's not a bad thing to be. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if you want this relationship to succeed, if you really dig her, she could, you know, have inhibitions she needs to break through. People don't break through those things usually on their own. Usually it's a lover who comes along and is the incentive to, like, get over those things, to push past those barriers. That person could be you. You don't want to manipulate somebody or blackmail them emotionally into doing things that they're not comfortable doing and don't want to do. But sometimes, particularly in a really sex-negative culture, particularly when you're talking about girls who are conditioned not to be sexual and not even to recognize their own desires, sometimes that's an important role in someone's life, to be that that incentive, that prize. Like, let's have a kick-ass sex life. I need a kick-ass sex life, and I want it with you. You know, and for this relationship to succeed, it, you know, we need to like get to this higher level. We need to be free and easy and open with each other, and and really enjoy everything about each other. That's the incentive. Not if you don't fucking blow me, I'm going to break up with you. That's not the way to approach it, right? Right, I agree with you on that. And then push through, and 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 risk the relationship succeeding just by talking. If it continues the way it's going now, are you going to stay with her? Um, no, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. No, it's absolutely not. You will not stay with her if the sex isn't there. Yeah, I, I, you're right, because I already kind of feel like I want to leave the relationship. And you're already ca- you're thinking about these girls you've fucked in the past and fucked like crazy. Uh, yeah. And, and so what you need to say to her is, I want you know, I want you to be the focus of my desires and so let's like really explore what are your fantasies it's not about imposing on her and saying you need to do this 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 and this or i'm out of here what it is is like let's you know we're going to grow together sexually we're going to you know build a sexual connection and you've we've we've nailed it a couple of times when i was drunk but when i'm not drunk because you're quiet i feel inhibited i don't want to feel like i'm violating you or imposing or abusing you so i need you to like use your words and talk to me we need to like communicate and baby steps get there so draw her out what are your fantasies and what do you want to do what are you interested in what have you never done that you've always wanted to try how do you like to get fucked what do you think about and then you have a right also to say missionary bores me if it's okay. the o- if it's the only thing we do it bores me if it's one of the things we do yeah it's awesome so you know we've done missionary the last 34 times we had sex so tonight this weekend next month like never missionary let's get creative i like that i like that I think that that might actually help. I think it might work to to talk to her like that to say that. That's the motto here at the Savage Love Cast. That, that like might her. actually help. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get that in Latin I, and put it on the over the door to the studio. Because I, I just mean uh, I can't believe I've never considered saying it because I was worried that she's going to be hurt. Like I'm, she's not satisfying or she's not good enough to me. And I've been trying to dance around it because I don't want to hurt her feelings and say, well. Compared to other women, you're not as good. And I didn't want to say it like that because that's not, it's going to hurt her feelings. And like that position to me, after so long, has gotten to the point where I'm like, this is just getting to be like, let's just get it over with. Because oh I'm that's bored. So sad. It's boring. So, for fear of her being hurt uh, by you not being honest about your needs and your desire for her to also have the sex that she wants and for her to grow and really enjoy it as much as you enjoy it. And uh, for fear of hurting her, you're going to sabotage this relationship. Ultimately, you're going to dump her over sex, and she'll know it when it happens. She'll know it was the sex. Okay. People aren't well, stupid. Not even 20-year-olds. I should, uh, I sh- when I talk to her, should I 
just say, hey, you know, is it like next time we're laying down and getting frisky? Should we talk about it then or when should we? Yeah, and you can talk about it in a sexy way. What you want to do is not, you know, next time you're laying down and you're getting frisky and you're thinking, oh, fuck, we're going to end up in the missionary position again and there's not going to be any oral and like, all right, let's get this over with. What you do is you say, you know, I love fucking you and you're so hot and this is really great and – uh, but let's like let's mix it up. I, let's like not do it in the mission station. Let's not do it in the bedroom. Let's like not do it on our backs. Let's let's experiment. Let's really do something we haven't done before. And not because and I want to do something I haven't done before with you. I want to do this with you. But let's mix it up. Let's be creative. It, it's like already it's hot. Fun. It can be hotter. All right, I like that. Thank you. Good luck. All right, hey, uh, hey, uh, who are you? Going for uh, for the Super Bowl by chance, just just out of curiosity. Um, uh, not it's interested. The, it's the Patriots. I know that because Tom Brady's hot. Patriots versus who? Uh, the the Giants. The Giants. And Eli uh, Manning. You know, I saw Anything Goes a couple weeks ago in New York, and Sutton Foster is amazing. If you had a choice between seeing Anything Goes with Sutton Foster or the revival of Follies. With uh, Bernadette Peters, like somebody came up to you on 44th Street and said, all right, I have tickets to Follies and tickets to Anything Goes. Which would you pick? Which would you I have no idea. That's how I feel about the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Good, good point there. All right. All right. Well, hey, uh, it's been really cool talking to you. Thank you for calling me. I really appreciate it. You too. Good luck. Hi, Dan. I'm calling from L.A. I'd like you to settle a little disagreement between my ex-boyfriend and I. Talking dirty. Is it considered kinky or is it standard practice? I understand certain things should be standard during sex, like oral or being safe, but he says dirty talk is totally standard. So far, he's the only guy that I've dirty talked with. I usually only talk if I need to. For example, hey, I need more lube. Oh, try the other side. Let's roll over. I'm falling off the bed, you know, so on and so forth. And the other guys I've had sex with were more quiet than my ex was. I'm thinking based on my own probably limited experience that dirty talk is a low-stakes kink, but he swears that dirty talk is totally standard in the gay community. So we're both huge fans of your column and podcast, so we decided to call you for your input. So what do you think? Is dirty talk kinky or is it standard nowadays? Where are you? Um, so I'm on the bus right now heading towards downtown L.A. Uh, where are you going? Uh, I'm going to a super gay uh, football party. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That doesn't compute for me. A super yeah. gay football party? You're going to a Super Bowl yeah. party with well, gays? Yes. Crazy. Very true. I, I just finished yeah. telling a straight guy that gay people have no interest in the Super Bowl, and now here you come along to contradict me. There's, well, there, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people, you know, like, football's kind of ubiquitous. You don't have to be, like, straight or whatever to enjoy it. Um, That's news to it's, me. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, like it's, I don't know, it's, a, it's more of a gender bender towards the masculinity sort of thing, I guess. Okay, so I, I was calling to ask you, uh, and you're on a public bus, so I want you to say this in a very loud voice. What were the things that your ex-boyfriend was asking you to say? What kind of dirty talk? <laughs> just, just like, shout um, it out. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure if I'm comfortable with, like yelling that kind of stuff on the bus, but it was kind of raunchy. Okay, do some word substitutions instead of, like, one thing, say another thing. You know, instead of like um, suck my dick, boy, say you know mix that cake better, Thomas. And just give uh, yeah, us the rough I mean, feel he, of it. Well, like he would do kind of stuff like that. It'd be like, oh yeah, you definitely want to like 
um, push that envelope, like, go, do it harder. Yeah, Ooh, that's right. Like, he could do, he could do, like, crazy stuff. Sort of. I don't think that was really crazy. I think it was kind of just, you know, semi-kinky, but he told me, like, most people do that sort of thing. Okay, so... You know? uh, like, uh, re- uh, like, really, you want to turn that cake batter, like, <laughs> yeah, turn it, oh, yeah, you're going to do it, like, really well. Like, yeah. I don't know. It, Put that blender on yeah. high. Um, you know, because there's, <laughs> there's, you know, dirty talk and then there's dirty talk. There's, like, regular old suck that dick, you like that cock, right? And then uh-huh. there's, you know, people just spinning out elaborate, bizarre, insane scenarios and, you know, issuing uh-huh. crazy threats uh, during sex because it arouses them or arouses their partner. So I wouldn't, you know, it depends on the dirty talk. depends on the kind of dirty talk. But I, I disagree with your boyfriend. I don't think it's standard, but I disagree with you, too. I don't think it's a kink. I think it falls okay. in between. And I'm going to mix like an automobile, automobile metaphor come standard uh, with right. kind of an academic right. metaphor. I think it's extra credit. But it's really mild. It's really, you know, low stakes, extra credit. That It's not a lot to ask someone to engage in dirty talk with you. And it is not quite standard. I don't think everybody does it. Uh, and people usually have to be drawn out. And, and some people don't want to do it because they don't want to freak the person out. Uh, but, you know, once right. the person says, I'm into dirty talk, I like to verbalize during sex. Refusing to do that is a little bizarre. They're not asking to piss in your mouth. They're not asking to whip you. They're just asking to incorporate a little chatter into the sex. And so long as your mouth isn't full, you should be able to go there. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking. I thought it was kind of like, I mean, if it was kinky, it's more like low stakes. You know, it's not something that... I wouldn't call it kinky at all. Okay. I would call it extra credit. Extra credit. Okay. All right. That's that's good. I'll have to relay that back to him. I think he he listens to the podcast anyway, so I don't know... um, yeah, I'll, I'll relay that back to them anyways. <laughs> Give all the fags at the Super Bowl party my regards and uh, tell them they are all hereby not invited to my Tony Awards party. No fags who go to a Super Bowl party can come to my Tony Awards uh, party. I want to go to a Tony Awards party. That sounds awesome. It is awesome. So much better than football. Especially when I know. Well, I mean, awesome. the whole point of football anyway is to get drunk and hang out with people. I mean, who watches us sober, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> have a good time. Give the boys my regards. All right. All right. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Uh, quickly before we go, I wanted to read an email that we got this week. Dear Dan, love you, love your show. Requesting a favor. My brother-in-law, Paul Favini, passed away yesterday after a pretty fucking outstanding fight with cancer. He was a professor and interim director at the University of Florida College of Fine Arts in Gainesville, and he participated in the It Gets Better initiative at the university and is featured in their video as the lone faculty member. His students, past and present, adored him. He was a fan. His partner, my dear brother, John Rieger, is also a fan. Any chance of a mention on the podcast, just thought I'd ask. Thank you for what you do, Mike. Um, Of course, we're happy to give Paul Favini a shout out and to express our sympathy to you and your whole family and all of Paul's students, past and present, and most particularly to Paul's widow, John, uh, at this time. We also wanted to play a brief clip um, from the University of Florida Gainesville's It Gets Better video. Like a lot of the videos that featured a large group of people, um, the interviews are all cut together uh, and there's music under, so the music's going to jump a bit as we play this, but we wanted to share uh, Paul's thoughts, uh, what he was having to say to young LGBT people uh, at a moment in their lives when so many of them are struggling. And it's clear when you watch the video that it was a moment in Paul's life where he was also struggling, uh, struggling with the cancer that would ultimately take his life. And he was still 
doing what he could, still reaching out, still offering hope to others. Um, and we're honored to share his thoughts now with podcast listeners. My name is Paul Favini, and I've been faculty at the University of Florida since the fall of 2000. I mean, if they love you, they say they love you, they, they probably know who you are and they'll accept you however you are. You need to have friends. You need to have people that, that support you and, and help you through the day. You can't do it alone. If you'd like to see the entire uh, University of Florida Gainesville's It Gets Better video, go to YouTube and search Making It Better at UF, and you can see the entire video, which is tremendously moving, and everyone in it uh, is, a, is a hero. And again, our sympathies uh, with the passing of Paul Pavini, uh, most particularly going out to his widow, John. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, please give us a buzz. Me and the Tech Savvy At Risk Youth will be back at you next week. Another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.